All right, today we'll be reading from Psalm 117. Now, Psalm 117 is the shortest psalm in the Bible, and I promise I didn't choose this one just to get off stage quickly. God had actually asked me to um, read this one. Once, uh, psalm 117 says, the title, The Lord's Faithfulness Endures Forever. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol Him, all peoples. For great is His steadfast love towards us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. This psalm is a simple psalm of praise. The writer starts with a command for all nations to praise the Lord in verse 1. And in verse 2, the psalmist tells us why we should praise Him. And the reasons are His steadfast love and that His faithfulness towards us will endure forever. Keep this in mind as we head into the praise and worship. But before we do that, let's recite the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Praise the Lord.
can be seated. The psalmist David said, Lord, I can't go anywhere, but you're not there. He's everywhere, isn't he? Thank God for his presence today. Uh, if you guys remember uh, in the book of Acts chapter 2, when Peter gave the first Pentecostal message, and there was 3,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus that day, 3,000 of them. And they were in Jerusalem, right? The city of David. Uh, been studying the city of David a little bit. And they didn't know where the city of David was for a long, long time. But it's, but it's 
a little bitty place over there. It's about 12 acres wide, 12 acres. The whole of it's about to, only about 12 acres. And that's where King David went in there and whipped the Jebusites and took the place and called it the city of David, which is Jerusalem, right? And I was thinking about this. I don't know. Do you guys ever think about silly stuff maybe? It's not really silly, but those 3,000 people, uh, Peter said, repent and be what? Be baptized. Okay. The Jordan River is kind of a fur piece from, uh, from Jerusalem, right? So I got to thinking, where do these people get baptized at? Got to get baptized, right? So at the foot of the city of David, Jerusalem, they found this big long pool. The Pool of Siloam, right? Where Jesus anointed the blind man's eyes and told him to go to the Pool of Siloam and wash and he, and he would receive his sight. The pool, pool of Siloam is right at the foot of Jerusalem, city of David. And it's about 53 feet long and about 18 feet wide. A little bigger than your pool, Amy. <laughs> but I'm thinking... You know, those people could have went right, you know, they're in Jerusalem already, could have right, went right down there and got baptized in that water because it, it held a ton of water. And you know something else I found out? That when the priest, before they would go up to the temple, which was in Jerusalem, they would bathe themselves in that pool and cleanse themselves because they couldn't go into the pool unless they took a bath, Right? So what greater place to go take a bath is when you're a brand new Christian and you want to get follow the Lord in baptism. What do you think about that? That don't mean anything about communion, but it's got a it's a couple of nuggets you can take home and go look that up if you if you want to see what the city of David looks like today, the old Jerusalem. But anyway, I'm up here to do communion, right? So, if you're in here today and you're saved and you know it, you can take communion with us. It's, uh, you received this little package when it came in the door. It's got the, the blood of Christ and the juice and the, uh, the body of Christ in the, uh, in the bread. And that's what we do today. We do this to remember the Lord and what He did for us 2,000 years ago. And I'll read a scripture. The Apostle Paul gave this to the Corinthians. The Apostle Paul wasn't there when Jesus said these words, but God gave this to him. He said, For I have received of the Lord, which was delivered unto, unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This is the New Testament in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. And that's what we're doing today. We're, uh, we're taking communion. We're remembering the Lord Jesus and what he did for us 2,000 years ago. And let's do that today. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for this day you've given us to live for you as Christians. We ask you, Lord, to show up in this little service today, Lord God. We ask you to bless this little body and blood that we're going to partake of today to remember you, Lord. And we ask it all in the gracious name of Jesus. And everybody said
is the time in the service for announcements. We're always collecting uh, empty pill bottle donations for Matthew 25 Ministries. If you have any questions about that, let me know. Um, there is a uh, plastic bin in the foyer that will collect those, as well as the ink cartridges. Um, bring them in so we can recycle them to reduce costs on any office supplies here at the church. Food pantry closed closets every Thursday, 5 to 7. Um, it sounds like we've been having about 25 families each week. Um, so if you are interested in coming to serve or see what we do, please come during those times. Refit is free dance fitness class for men and women. Um, teens welcome also. Tuesdays, Thursdays, 6.30 to 7.30 here in the sanctuary. If you have questions, you can contact Kristen. Mellon Ridge Nursing Home Church Ministry is the fourth Sunday of every month at 2 p.m. We just did it this past Sunday. It's always a great time to go over there and bless other people. Um, if you, We don't have the current sign-up yet at the welcome table, but we will next week. Breakfast is better when we eat together. Breakfast Fellowship is the first Sunday of the month, so that was this morning at 9.30. If you missed it, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so look forward to eating with us the first Sunday of every month. Empty Nesters Bible Study uh, has started, and they're working through the book called Ten Words to Live By, based on the Ten Commandments. It occurs on Thursdays at 10 at Ruth Liming's home. If you have any questions, talk to Sharon Ponchot. September 24th is Church Cleanup Day. Um, we're going to start around 9 a.m. Um, we will have a mini breakfast. We don't want to carb you up too much that you're can't really go on the rest of the day, but we will have some breakfast here to get us started. There is a sign-up um, sheet on the back welcome table. Um, just a quick note about that, too. We will be doing stuff inside and outside of the church, so if you have questions or feel like you're not sure where you can you could help, um, let me know. I'll find something for you. Tithes and offerings can be given in person in the back of uh, sanctuary in the offering box, and you are um, able to give online as well. Weekly budget is listed there. Um, this is just lists some of the ministries that you support through your giving here at Heartland. That's all I have. Have a great week. All right. Happy Labor Day Eve. Hope everyone's enjoying the long weekend. Derek decided to take a long uh, weekend and a well-deserved day off, so you're stuck with me. If you were here last time I spoke, we talked about Matthew seventeen fourteen through 20 and faith, mountains, and mustard seeds, and how if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, we can move any hindrance that is keeping us from God. Today we will be talking about Christian freedom. We will be reading from Galatians, we will be reading the whole book of, or chapter of Galatians 5, it's 26 verses. Turn in your Bibles to that passage. Once you get there, please stand for the reading of God's Word. The title of today's sermon is Finding Freedom in Christ. Galatians 5 says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You may be seated. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, and as I have a free, or I have a dream speech, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Webster's Dictionary has several definitions for the word freedom, but the one that matters most to us is liberation from slavery or restraint or from the power of another. It lists the word independence as a synonym. I quoted Dr. King's famous lines for a reason, and that's because, ladies and gentlemen, we too are free at last. We've been free since Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. But what are we free from? Are we free from God? Are we free from Satan? This is a question we will seek to answer today. But before we do, let's pray. Father God, thank you for bringing us here today. Open our ears to your words. Reveal to us the precepts and the truth you want us to learn today. Speak to us as we delve into your words. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Freedom. Now that, as Americans, that word has so much more meaning to us. We live in one of the most free countries in the world. We are blessed to be able to meet every Sunday like this and worship the Lord, and hopefully you get to hear some good messages too. We have freedom of speech, religion, and assembly, among others. In other countries, their citizens are not as free as us, and if you are a Christian in several other countries, it's worse. They're forced to meet underground. They're persecuted and even murdered for their faith. I don't mean to scare you or speak harshly, but the freedoms that people share are not the same as, are not the same as us, and the word evokes different meanings for different people. But those are freedoms that are handed down by individual governments. That isn't the kind of freedom we will be talking about today. The freedom we're going to talk about today is the freedom we receive from Jesus' death on the cross. It's free to all baptized believers in Jesus, and it doesn't depend on where you were born or who your elected leader is. This freedom is the one that Paul mentions in Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not submit to yourselves again to a yoke of slavery. The yoke of slavery is the Levitical law that people had to follow before the birth and death of Christ. Men had to be circumcised to show that they were a believer in the law. Then believers had to commit themselves to following the law. The whole law in Jesus' time contained over 600 different commands that the Jewish people had to follow. There's debate among Jews and Christians about the actual number, but the widely accepted number is about 613 commands. Today, they're required to follow 174. People were in bondage by the law. If they broke even one of these laws, then they were required to make sin offerings. There were different sacrifices that had to be made 
based on the way if they were clergy or common people. We see this in Leviticus 4, 27 through 28. If anyone anyone of the common people sins unintentionally in doing any of these things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done and realizes his guilt or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring for his offering a goat, a female without blemish, for his sin which he has committed. These sacrifices were temporary, however. The people could never be perfect in obeying all 613 commandments. It is not possible because, as Jesus tells us in Matthew 26:41, the flesh is weak. And in Jeremiah 17:9, the heart is deceitful above all things and deceptively wicked. Jesus' death on the cross eliminated the need for all the sacrifices as he became the sacrifice for our sins. He died so that we would be free from the sacrificial laws that were put in place in the Old Testament. And as Christian author David Paulson teaches, but I want to tell you what I believe real freedom is. It is not to be free from God. It's not to be free from the restraints of others. It is not to be free from what I like. It is to be free from me. That is the real freedom. What Mr. Paulson is saying is that Christ died to free us from ourselves. As we saw earlier in Matthew and Jeremiah, the flesh is weak and the heart is deceitfully wicked. We are, as Paulson continues, free at last to be what God wants me to be and to do what God likes me to do. That's real freedom. In order to be free from ourselves, we must believe in Christ and as John the Baptist tells us in John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. We have to let God be the head of our lives, and we must get ourselves out of the way. Paul tells us how to do this at the end of Galatians 5.1. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And in 5.2, he tells us not to accept circumcision. In Jewish culture, to accept Circumcision meant you had to follow all the Jewish laws, all 613. We see this in James 2.10. For whoever keeps the whole law but but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. So if you failed in one of the 613 laws, you were guilty of breaking all 613 laws. Paul also tells us this in Galatians 5.3. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, that he's obligated to keep the whole law. Paul's talking about legalism. We can't commit ourselves to Christ and the law. In Galatians 5.2, Paul says, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. To commit the Levitical laws of cleansing and rituals, you had to become a slave to the law, and you were judged by the law. But if we're led by the Spirit, then the law doesn't apply to us. We see this in Galatians 5.18. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We can't serve the whole Levitical law in Christ. Freedom is easy to lose and yet so hard to gain. And many Christians focus so hard on being good that they are blinded by the need of, for Christ and thus they take on the yoke of slavery again. The church in Galatia had been living for Christ, but then found themselves listening to people who were spreading lies, claiming that they had to circumcise the law, or circumcise themselves, follow the law, and while simultaneously worshiping Christ. Paul had to call them on this mistake. We see this in Galatians 5, 4 through 6. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. The Galatians were so focused on both keeping the law and worshiping Christ that they had lost their way. At some point, until we accepted the Lord as our Savior, we were like the Galatians. 
Pastor Charles Spurgeon said, But a little while ago, all of us who are, now, who are now free in Christ Jesus were slaves of the devil. We were led captives at his will. <clears throat> the Galatians bounded themselves to the yoke of slavery and not the yoke of Christ. But Jesus tells us we are to take his yoke. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. <clears throat> Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Through Christ, we don't need to be burdened when trying to follow the Levitical law. It has been abolished. The law means nothing. We can't serve both the law and Christ. Christ tells us in Matthew 6.24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. We can't serve two masters. If we try, we will hate one or the other. If we hate the law, we will stop following the law. And we are told that if we break even one of the laws, we are guilty of breaking the whole law. Instead, we need to choose freedom and seek God. 2 Corinthians three twelve through 17 says, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is, there is freedom. Christ is found in freedom, and not the law. The law will not save you. When we try hard not to break the law, we lose sight of Christ. It's only when we stop struggling to be good, we finally find Christ and His grace that takes over and leads us to the altar. Once we admit to being a sinner, then and only then can Christ take over and to quote Carrie Underwood, we can let Jesus take the wheel. As David Paulson said, once you try to be good enough, for heaven, you are beyond the reach of heaven's grace. God's grace and the law doesn't mix. You have to choose one. Keep in mind, it's only by God's grace that we are saved. We see this in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that one may not boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's God's grace through the death of his son Jesus Christ that we are saved. God loved us so much that he sent his only son to die so that we could live. We all know this verse, but John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's love and grace is abundant, and we will be saved if we accept his grace and live for him. We need to die to the world and to the whole law and live for him. Then we truly will know the meaning of freedom. But there's something we need to understand, however. Christ's death did not eliminate the whole law entirely. We are still bound to God's law and the Ten Commandments. We all know the Ten Commandments, and I won't read them for you all today, but if you do want to look at them, they're in Exodus 22 through 17. If we are saved through God's grace, we'll keep the commandments. However, if we do sin, then through Christ's blood, then through Christ's blood we repent and ask forgiveness. He is, as we see in the second half of 1 John 1, 9, faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Invariably, all this leads to a question that a lot of Christians ask, and that question is, how do you know you're saved? I used to ask that question myself when I was coming up in the faith. 
If we are told we must follow the commandments, but we have freedom from the law, how do you know you are saved? Real faith will always be accompanied by love. Love for God and love for your fellow man. When asked which is the greatest commandment, Jesus answered in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40 And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. If we are truly saved and we have true faith, we will show it through love. Leviticus 19.18 says, But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Paul echoed this in his letter to the Galatians in the text we've been reading. Galatians 5.13-15 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by another. If we've been baptized in Christ, and we devote our lives to living for him, then we will love each other, and we will not fall into the sins of the flesh. Paul warns the Galatians in 5.16-17, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. The worst thing we can do as Christians is stop running the race. In Galatians 5.7, Paul says, You were running. Well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? If we stop practicing our faith, and we compromise on the things we believe in. We stop running, and we give into the sins of the flesh. We will allow ourselves to lose sight of the narrow gate and the narrow road, and we will be consumed by our selfish and fleshly desires, and we will risk putting our salvation in jeopardy. However, if we run well and finish the race, we will be rewarded in heaven. Second Timothy 4, 7-8 says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who loved his appearing. If we fight the good fight and finish the race, then we will obtain a crown in heaven. However, Paul listed the sins of the flesh for the Galatians, and issued plenty of warnings not to fall into their temptations. And then he reminds us what happens if we do succumb to temptation. Galatians five nineteen through 21 lists all the works of the flesh. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like, those, like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Paul makes it abundantly clear that the sins of the flesh will keep us out of heaven. Now, I don't want to talk about all of these because most of us can figure out what they are. But I do want to take a look at a couple of them. Give me one second here. Most of them are pretty self-explanatory, but uh, the first one I want to look at is idolatry. If we take a look at the world around us, there are so many people enamored with famous people, be it athletes, musicians, actors, and within the last couple of years we've seen people become obsessed with politicians. However, as Christians, we're told not to allow ourselves to worship anyone other than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We see this in Exodus 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. If we allow ourselves to commit idolatry by idolizing famous people, then we will not inherit the kingdom of God. Our God is a jealous God, and we see his 
Time and again in the Old Testament, God destroyed the tribes of people who worshipped false idols and were led astray. As Christians, we are told not to love the world. 1 John 2, 15-17 says, Do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. We cannot love the world and love Christ. It won't work. We can't obsess over celebrities and expect to make it in heaven. The next sin of the flesh I quickly want to cover is fits of anger. I bet if we were to take a poll of how many people have fallen into this sin, most, if not everyone's hands, would go up. I know mine would. Fits of anger doesn't mean just getting mad at someone in general. It's lashing out at people or snapping at people in anger. Remember, everything we do is to mirror Christ and show people Christ so that some might be saved. Fits of anger is one of the easiest sins to commit, yet it is so destructive and can ruin relationships. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. And James 1, 1, 19-20 says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the angers of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Anger leads to death spiritually. If you lash out in anger, you destroy your witness for Christ. You never know who could be watching and how it could affect a person's life. Don't let your anger be the reason why someone doesn't come to know the Lord. The other sin of the flesh I want to talk about real quick is divisions. This country over the last few years has become so divided, worse than it has ever been. Politics has this country so divided based on political party, uh, based on which political party people belong to. Republicans are hating Democrats, and Democrats are hating Republicans. And oftentimes, a person's character is judged based on which party they vote for. It's okay to vote and be engaged in the political process. When it becomes an issue is when you treat people differently because of who they voted for. We can't focus on who the president is. Romans 13 tells us to submit to the government. We need to keep our eyes on Christ and never stop running the race. James 2, 8-9 says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin, and you are convicted by the law as transgressors. We can't show favoritism in any aspect. If we do, then not only do we hurt our witness for Christ, but we also break the commandments and possibly will keep someone from knowing Christ. Politics is not the only place where we see divisions and factions. Unfortunately, it's crept into the church body as well. There are over 200 different denominations in America today. The body has divided itself based on differences in music style or clothing style or what version of the Bible to use, among other things. We've turned our back on just preaching the truth and have let ourselves be consumed with differences that in the end doesn't matter. We've forgotten what Paul tells us in Romans 12.5. So we, though many, are one in the body of Christ. We have a record number of people falling away from the church where they're turning their back on the Christian faith altogether. If we can't unite as Christians under Christ, how do we expect others to do so? Desires of the flesh, if we give in to them, can lead us into hell. Paul gives us one final reminder of this in Galatians 5.26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If we don't give in to the sins of the flesh, then we will be able to free ourselves from the yoke of slavery, as Paul tells us in Galatians 5.24. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we belong to Christ and, have, and we have crucified the flesh and its evil desires, 
we will be able to produce the fruit of the Spirit that Paul mentions in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against things there is no such law. If we display the fruits of the Spirit, we know that we in Christ and others will see Christ in us, and it may just lead them to the throne as Christ, Christ as well. After all, Jesus tells us in Matthew 7.20, um, you will recognize them by their fruits. If we produce the fruits of the Spirit, then we will bring joy and glory to the only risen Lord that died, that so we may live in freedom. In closing, I want to leave you with a quote from a line written by Russian author Fyodor Dostoevsky, I butchered that name, in his book entitled The Brothers Karamazov, which says, The mystery of human existence lies not in just staying alive, but in something to live for. What are you living for? Are you consumed with keeping the commandments that you lose sight of Christ and bear the yoke of slavery and bondage? Or are you living freely in Christ so that you can produce the uh, fruits of the Spirit? Seek the freedom that Christ gives. Stop taking on the yoke of slavery and free yourself from bondage. Don't give in to the desires of the flesh. Produce good works. Works of the Spirit so we can show Christ to others. Stay on the narrow road and enter via the narrow gate so that we know we have not run in vain or labored in vain. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for the freedom that you provide. Help us live out the Ten Commandments so we can produce fruits of the Spirit. Search us, O Lord, and reveal to us any desires of the flesh that we have committed. Forgive us for our sins, Lord. Keep us safe as we travel home and as we celebrate the Labor Day holiday. And keep us safe throughout the week. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. If you are not a follower of God, today is the day of salvation. If you would like to know more about Christ or discuss anything from today, see me after service. If you would like to accept him as your Lord and Savior, or if you need prayer for healing or anything else, you are welcome to come forward and pray. We will have people up here to pray with you. Or if you would like to pray by yourself, that's fine. You're welcome to kneel at the altar. The praise band is going to sing one final song. But before they do, let me say the Lord's blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Or I'm sorry, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Should I fall in the 
space between what remains of me and this reckoning. Either way, I won't bow to the things of this world. And I know I will never be alone. There is another in the fire standing next to me. There is another. I can feel the ground shake beneath us as the prison walls cave in. Nothing stands between us. Nothing stands between us. There is no other name but the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will be through it. So come one day in the space between all the things unseen and this reckoning. I know I will never be alone. I know I will never be alone. There'll be another in the fire standing next to me. There'll be another in where you'll be count the joy come every battle cause I know that's where you'll be I'll count the joy come every battle cause I know that's where you'll be